Thank you for joining our Transform 365 podcast, a discipleship and teaching ministry of SWCC. We pray this teaching helps you to grow in your journey with Christ. We have some great resources available for you on Transform365.com webpage. Feel free to download discipleship materials, small group teaching, as well as peruse our training workshops. Also take time to visit www.swcc.org for videos, teaching, and more. We thank you for listening and your support, and we would love to hear from you. So use our contact page and drop us a line. Now for our podcast teaching. Welcome to the Transform 365 podcast. I'm Pastor Cody Wallace, accompanied by my co-hosts. I'm Pastor John. And today we're very blessed to be joined by Free Grace International Director of Publication, Sean Lazar. Uh, Sean, for those of you that might not know him or do know him, is the author um, with many titles like Chosen to Serve, Beyond a Doubt, um, and One Point Preaching, just to name a few. He has many articles that he has written for the Grace and Focus magazine. He has a blog and podcast available at Free Grace International. Um, and he leads the podcast called The Art of Grace. Sean Lazar, welcome. Thank hey, you for joining us. Thank you, guys. Cody, John, it's so good to uh, to be here with you. And uh, thanks for the generous invitation to come on the show. I really appreciate that. Amen. Well, thank you for giving us your time and, and spending it with us today. Well, uh, Sean, um, for those that know you and have known you for a long time, um, and for those that are maybe just being introduced to you for the first time today, uh, could you just share with us your uh, journey from being a kid growing up in Quebec to a free grace theologian <laughs> in Denton, Texas? <laughs> Sorry, how long is this show? This is a... <laughs> that's a... Man, that's that's scary when you ask a preacher to tell his testimony. He's gonna <laughs> he's gonna take up the whole time. Um, now you got that right. I, I grew up in Montreal, Quebec, and mm -hmm. I know you Floridians are familiar with my people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Winter. <laughs> yeah, we come down every winter. Um, yeah, I grew up in Quebec in a, in an English speaking family, uh, uh, but not a Christian family. And I think that's maybe the key thing in my in my growing up. I did I grew up. I didn't even know who Jesus was. Okay, that's how secular Quebec was. I, I knew the name of Jesus as a French swear word, and that's about it. Mm -hmm. And I had no connection to God, no connection to any religion. My parents weren't atheists. To me, an atheist is someone who rejects belief in God. They grew up with no religion whatsoever. So they didn't, God was just not even something mentioned in our house. And so um, that's how I grew up. And then my mom got into the new age movement. And I know you guys in Miami have all kinds of new agey oh, yeah. stuff happening down there. You yeah. got, you got a hodgepodge of every type of cult down there. Yeah. Same thing, same thing in Montreal. She got into that. And I remember, I remember going to like psychic fairs to test. For, she wanted to know if, uh, we had psychic powers <laughs> as a family. Have you guys ever done that? Or do you, do you have that in, in Miami? <laughs> I'm sure we do. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, not we have not, we have just about everything. Yeah. Not that you've attended, yeah. <laughs> um so she got into that and um sadly that led to a, a nervous breakdown. She was hospitalized. She went she was hospitalized for uh, a couple months, a month or two, which seemed like I was like maybe 10 at the time and that just seemed like forever. My mom yeah. was gone and it just seemed like forever. And when she came back she came back total a different person, you know, that the, she struggled with mental illness the rest of her life, but she came back as something called a born again Christian. Mm. And we had no idea what on earth that was. I mean, here it's like, you know, I live in Texas. And so born again Christian, that's about as common a term as you can possibly yeah. come across. But in our family, we had no connection to religion. What is a born again Christian? And uh, she told us that there was a, uh, a Jewish carpenter living in her heart. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's something that's like, when you hear that, you just think you need to go back to the hospital because that's the craziest <laughs> thing we've ever heard. Um, but she started telling us about Jesus and we started, uh, we going, going to a Baptist church uh, and then an open brethren Bible church uh, with a pastor who had, who had gone to DTS. And uh, I wanted nothing to do with any of that stuff. Nothing. I thought this is the type of stuff that made my mom sick and that changed her. And I don't want anything to do with it. Mm. And so she couldn't force me to go to church. My little brothers and my brother and sister did. 
But when I turned 16, I started asking basic questions about the world, about the universe. Like, where did it all come from? At the time, uh, Schindler's List had come out. And so there's a lot of teaching in the schools about the Holocaust and how evil it was. And I started thinking, wait a second, why are we calling it evil? Who said this was evil? There's no God and there's no rules. And, you know, nature is just kind of the survival of the fittest. We can say we don't like this, but where does this absolute evil idea come from? Where does, where does absolute good and evil come from? And the kind of the atheism, I guess, I grew up with uh, wasn't answering those questions for me. I mean, where did the universe come from? It just popped into existence out of nothing. How does that make sense? Mm. You know, how does, how do I make sense of my life? If there, if there's no God, there's no good and evil. So what, what's, what's the point? There's no meaning. What's, what is the point of living? Um, so I started asking these questions and reading, I started reading in religion and philosophy and out of respect for my mom, I read one verse of the Bible every day before going to bed. Mm. I was reading lots of other stuff but I was reading one verse of the Bible every day. And over time, I came to believe that, you know what? This makes sense that there's one God who created everything. And he's the God of the Jewish people, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That made sense. I, I started in the Old Testament. And I remember in my last year of high school, which in Quebec is grade 11, I got finally got to the New Testament. And I started reading well, the gospel according to Matthew, and I came across this Jesus person, and I had no idea who Jesus was, right? And I, I immediately got to, uh, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, and I was blown away by this amazing vision of life that Jesus had, this this the super high standard of life, this amazing of peace and love and forgiveness, and I just thought this is absolutely amazing. I am going to live just like this. And so I tried living the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> and uh, can you guess what happened? Yeah. <laughs> I realized, oh, man, I am not living up to this at all. <laughs> I remember the, the thing that really blew me over is when Jesus said, you know, you can't even. I, I was good at like not killing people. I've never killed anyone. <laughs> you know? I, I'm pretty good at not murdering people. I've never done that either or, or stealing or, or committing adultery. But when he said, if you even look at a person, mm. a woman with lust in your heart, it's as if you've committed adultery. Wow. If, if you even get angry at a person, mm -hmm. you've committed murder in your heart. Well, especially the lust thing as a teenage boy in high school, when he said that about lust, mm -hmm. I realized if that's the standard, I have absolutely no hope mm -hmm. of ever being justified before God. I didn't use that term, but that's what I was thinking. You know, there's no, I have no standing before God whatsoever because my thoughts, my, 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 my heart, I have all kinds of sins at that level mm -hmm. and so i was like what is the hope what, what hope do i have i'm still reading through the bible so i i didn't hear the gospel but somewhere along the lines in one nice thing about growing up in quebec in montreal is it's nominally roman catholic and so the evangelical community there is extremely or at least when i was growing up they were extremely strong on unlike the roman catholics we believe that we're justified by faith in Jesus, totally apart from works. Roman Catholics believe in work salvation, but we believe Jesus died for us on the cross for our sins and rose again from the dead so that we can be justified totally freely simply by believing in him for it. And I was so ready to hear that message. Yeah. I mean, John and Cody, when, when they told me that, I, I, I could not have been more ready. That was the only hope I have. So it made total sense to me that, wow, Jesus died for me so that I can be saved just by believing in him. And that was the best news I ever heard. So that happened um, in my last year of high school, June, 1995. Wow. And uh, I went to a community college after I started witnessing to people. And um, the first group of people I, I, I said, I'm going to witness to were uh, the Muslim student association. <laughs> so <laughs> in my college, so I walked into this place and I was like, hey, guys, I know you guys are Muslims and, and, and you don't believe in Jesus. I want to tell you about Jesus. And they said, oh, we believe in Jesus. He's in the Quran uh, and we'd be happy to talk to you about it. And I was like, OK, great, let's talk. And um, they had all kinds of questions about how I believed in three gods. And I was like, three gods, what three gods are you? What? It's yeah. like, they're like, yeah, Christians believe in three gods. And I was like, what? I've never heard of what. What do you mean? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
Well, anyways, they gave me a tract. They gave me a tract (laughs) (laughs) about why Christians believe in three gods. And when I was reading this tract, I I had all kinds of questions, and that led me to search for answers. And the more I witnessed, the more I preached, the more I got challenges, and the more I searched for answers. And so, uh, I guess I can say long story short, how did I become a theologian? It wasn't really by choice. It was just because... I wanted to tell people about Jesus, and when they have objections, I need to have good answers to for for those objections. And so that kind of forced me into theology, so I can explain the gospel clearly uh, to people who are ready to hear it. And so, um, I, in a sense, I've always been free grace. I just never used that term. Yeah. Um, I just always knew it really is by faith, and it really is apart from works. And salvation can never be lost because it was never ever dependent upon anything that I I do. You know, once once Jesus justifies you, he, he never unjustifies you. Once he gives you eternal life, the new birth, he never aborts you. That is not who God is. So you are secure forever. And so um I never used the term, but once I heard the term, I was like, yes, that is that is what I am. Yeah, that's 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 um it's interesting. That's kind of uh, the, the a theme that um, I'm hearing across the board. We were talking not too long ago with uh, Grant Hawley uh, with the uh, Free Grace Alliance. You know him yeah. very well. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're friends. Um, and he was saying that uh, when he went to Europe, a lot of Europeans, um, they they call themselves, what was it? The, the Grace Churches or something of that mm-hmm. name. Uh, I forget the exact term that they go by. But when he sat down and started talking to them, they're free grace. And, <laughs> yeah. and it was such a neat experience. He's like, oh, you guys are free grace, you know? And they're like, what is that? Yeah. And so right. they started talking, collaborating. And it was just a beautiful thing there. You know, there's this realization. Oh, yeah, we are free grace. Then if that's what free grace it means to be free grace. Yeah, we're free grace. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think we're finding more and more people there. They are they're not totally satisfied with the way things have been set up. You know, you, you have to either be Calvinist or you have to be Arminian. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I ended up joining with, up with the Baptists and we didn't believe that Jesus only died for some people. We believe that Jesus died for everybody. So we weren't really Calvinists, but we did believe that, you know, you're eternally secure from the moment of faith. So we weren't Arminians. So what are we? And uh, well, we're Baptists, I guess. Um, but I think this term free grace really, I hope it, I hope it gains more steam. That's certainly what I'm, I'm working towards because I think it's biblical. I think it actually gives people hope and gives them assurance and gives them a strong foundation to serve Christ. And, um, we, we, we need to break open this, this, these narrow confines of having to be either Arminian or Calvinist. That's simply not true. Yeah. It looks like it's spreading, uh, Sean, because on your on the Facebook um, uh, page that you started, what, what is Free Grace Perspectives, right? Uh, yeah, Free Grace Perspectives and Free Grace Theology Discussion Group. Right. And, yeah. I love, I love um, I'm not a big Facebook guy, but when I do open Facebook, that's, I go to those pages, you know, just to see what people are talking about. Yeah. And, and we, you do see a lot of people who, you know, I've heard them say, or, or, you know, when they write down comments that they, they've been, you know, they've, been free grace they just didn't use that term like you like you were just talking about so oh absolutely i mean i was uh one of my favorite authors is a guy named jf strombeck oh yeah and he has this book called uh, shall never perish it's just a, an ama- great de- popular defense of eternal security that was one of my favorite books before i ever heard free grace and strombeck was for sure you know free grace even though he never use that term and he probably died before anyone coined that term but there's all kinds of authors like that uh ironside harry ironside probably yeah, i yeah. like schofield i think schofield is essentially you know free grace you know there's a bunch of chafer obviously also chafer who um uh lewis berry chafer who founded yeah. dallas seminary long before there was the term free grace you know yeah. For yeah. his legacy is definitely within that definitely yeah. I, I think there's um for for those that wrestle with this idea of calvinism and a lot of them what they look at is um for the most part they look yeah jesus is the savior for all we see that it's it's given in scripture john 3 16 the most memorized and quoted verse in the bible right god so loved the world right now obviously 
uh, theologians on the other side, they kind of do backflips on that, uh, grammatically go wrong when it comes to the Greek and things of that nature and right. say world, you know, doesn't necessarily mean the cosmos and all that are in it. It means those that were elect and things of that nature. But for the most part, people look at that and they say, no, that, that makes sense. Jesus died for everybody. He's everybody's yes. savior. Um, yeah. yeah. When you're saved, he keeps you, he holds you in his hand, John 10, those things make sense to them. Mm-hmm. But one of the tenets that people try to understand, and I, you'll, you know, we have a close friend of ours. He always jokes around, says, "I'm, I'm a a half a point Calvinist." John knows who exactly who I'm talking about. <laughs> but he stands in the free grace camp. He just does that as a joke. The thing that, well, that Sean knows him, I think. Yeah, Sean knows. Him. I, I, he, he who will remain nameless at this point. Okay. Um, I don't want to put him on the spot, but. Um, one of the things that people struggle with is the idea of election. Yeah. And um, you wrote a, a book chosen to serve. Yes. Where it really just kind of takes a look and says, okay, we're going to look at the scriptures that are involved in this idea of election or this doctrine of election. And we're just going to take it for its face value scripturally, right? Yes. What, what is being told in the context and content of scriptures um, and and let's draw conclusions from that. And so um, the title says it all, really, if you're looking. I, at- yeah, I kind of give it away. In the yeah, title. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and it's, you know, when you're looking at it and breaking it down is that these, um, you know, Ephesians 1 verses, these, you know, even the nation of Israel. I like how you bring it back to even Israel is that the idea is we're chosen by God. Yes, we can't deny that, but it's towards something. And that something is not salvation. So that's right. Could you give us a little background of how that process took place for you? Yeah. Yeah, And and just looking at those verses maybe and coming up with this concept. Sure. uh, Absolutely. Um, When I was first saved, I went to that community college. I I joined the inter InterVarsity Christian fellowship. Do you guys have that? Um, in college campuses, it's yeah, like a Christian ministry. Now, yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I was immediately brought under the wing of a, a lovely, loving Calvinist family. And um, this, this brother and sister team especially were kind of trying to guide me into right theology. Mm-hmm. And I remember this, uh, this idea of election was one of the first things I had to chew on. And I was just, I was so full of joy uh, of in the gospel of being saved, of knowing Jesus as my savior. And then I got to tell you, when I got introduced to this idea of um, election, it kind of robbed me of all my joy. <laughs> I have to say, because uh, they pointed out all the, they pointed out all the proof texts and I was like, well, I guess that's in the Bible. I mean, I was a, I was a baby Christian of only like maybe less than a year. And I'm like, well, I guess that's, I guess it's there. The words are there. Um, and I didn't, I didn't have any frame of reference to understand any alternative, but um, they told me about how God chooses some people to be saved and some people to be damned. And um, even if you believe now, that's not necessarily a guarantee that you're going to believe later. So it might turn out that you've never really believed in the first place and you don't have special election gift faith. Mm. And boy, did that, that started putting all kinds of doubts in my mind. And by the way, just because I started to doubt, like, well, did I really believe? Did I really believe with gift faith as opposed to natural faith? Am I really one of the elect? Just because I doubted later does not mean I wasn't born again before. Yeah. You know, when you believe in Jesus, you are born again, you have everlasting life, and you have it forever, even if you get confused later. Amen. And so talking to these uh, uh, lovely Calvinist family uh, about this, um, I started, you know, I kind of just accepted election calvinistic election at face value but it gave me a lot of inner turmoil and um i ended up doing a bachelor of theology and studying that issue in more depth and my my position changed but i still kind of i i went to a more lutheran type of understanding but we don't need to nerd out uh, nerd out (laughs) at the moment but but i still believed in it essentially 
And so I remember one day I started working for Bob Wilkin at Grace Evangelical Society. And uh, I don't know if people know Grace Evangelical Society. They should go to faithalone.org and check out their articles and and, uh, video and audio. But Bob is the executive director, and I'd been working for him for about maybe six years at that point. And I was used to Bob. Uh, He's, you know, he's like an eccentric genius type character. And I was used to him kind of having making wildly speculative statements, you know, just kind of crazy out of the box statements. And sometimes, oftentimes he turned out to be right. And sometimes I think he wasn't. But on this one occasion, I remember him saying, Sean, I don't, I don't think, I don't believe in election. And I was like, what are you talking about? You don't believe in election. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I don't think that's in the Bible. I was like, of course it's in the Bible. It's all over the Bible. How could you say there's no election? And he's like, well, I don't think the Bible says that God chooses individuals to have eternal life. And I was like, of course it does. I mean, I've been wrestling with this for years, yeah. right? This has been causing me trouble for years. And he said, okay, prove it to me. So I went to our library and I took out a book called um, The Five Points of Calvinism by uh, uh What's, what are their names? Steele and Quinn. And uh, they just listed their Calvinist proof texts for election. And I started going over these proof texts one by one with Bob. And he would just kind of off the top of his head, kind of give an alternative interpretation or, or point out the obvious. Like there might be a verse that these Calvinist guys say prove that God chooses individuals for eternal life. And all it would say is, you know, I have a people whom I love, or I have chosen Israel. And Bob would just kind of point out the obvious. Hey, God loves the world, but does that mean he's chosen individuals to have eternal life? No, those are two different issues. Just Mm. because God loves you doesn't mean he gives you eternal life. So that's not proof of election at all. Or yes, God chose Israel, but what did he choose them for? Does he give them, does he give every single individual, individual Jewish person, person eternal life? No, of course not. So what are these, what are these verses actually saying? And, um, the more we talked about it, uh, he challenged me to just, how about this? Go write a book and see what you find. And so that's what I did. I just, uh, I sat down one day and I started opening up uh, the dictionaries and the lexicons. And I just looked up the simple words like God choosing or God electing people in, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I just kind of just went through the whole Bible and put it together. And what I found was um, you alluded to this already, but what I found was what the Bible is talking about when it talks about election was very, very, very different than what the theologians, especially the 17th and 18th century theologians were talking about when they talked about election, mm-hmm. like in the Westminster Confession of Faith. The Bible was having one conversation and these guys were having a totally different conversation and they weren't really related. Because mm. um, what I found in the Bible is that God Yes, God chooses, absolutely, but he chooses peoples, both groups and individuals, places and things for service. And also, I would say for reward, but never, ever does he choose them to have everlasting life. And so uh, it turns out I wasn't the first person to to see this. Lots of commentators uh, have noted it, um, but God does choose, but he chooses people to serve to serve his purposes, not to have, not to be born again, not to be justified, not to have eternal life. Yeah. Well, I think one of the texts that is often pointed to is, you know, those that he knew he, he chose to be conformed to the image of his son. And even right there, you look at it and what are, what are we chosen or, or, um, you know, elected to, It's to be like Jesus. Mm. And that's, you know, something I think that every believer looks at and they're like, okay, well, yeah, that that's not towards salvation. That's towards growth in Christ, you know? Yeah. You want to be like him. And that's a beautiful thought is that, uh, you know, I think it's a freeing idea too, because it lets us know that our duty is not to just go try to find out who the elect are and reach them for Christ, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. go unto the world, just as Christ said, and there's that freedom within it as well. Brother, Brother yeah, Scott. absolutely. It removes understanding what the Bible actually talks about election. It, it, it kind of removes 
the whole, it, it removes it from the assurance question. You can still be assured of your salvation based on Jesus's promise because election has nothing to do with that. Election is what is, what is my job going to be in this world? What, what are God's goals yeah. for, for someone who's already believed and who's born again, but also for nations and places yeah. like Mount Zion and the temple. And so I don't have to, uh, people, anyone listening to this, who's struggled with the, the, how election undermines assurance once you understand it that it's for service you don't need to doubt jesus's promise anymore mm. you can you can believe jesus for what he said and what he said so clearly clearly that if you believe in him you have everlasting life as a present possession and you will never perish never 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 and so now you can just serve god and okay as you're serving god you can now think about okay what have i been chosen to do because what you do is totally apart from uh, what you need to believe to be saved. Discipleship yeah. is not salvation. Those are two different issues. Mm -hmm. And so election, you might say, is more of a discipleship issue mm -hmm. than a, a salvation one. Oh, wow. That's yeah. good. That's well said. Yeah. I, I, you know, we see that, um, you know, in Paul's life, Paul always likes to let people know, hey, look, I was called to be an apostle. You know, yeah. the Lord chose me to be an apostle to the yes. Gentiles. And so he uses that terminology and it's always toward this activity um yes and yes. and so that's a that's a you know that kind of ties into us you know uh being called to a service into this world and i think that's the uh the the purpose that god that christ gives us um you know as we grow in him and it becomes a little bit more apparent as you grow i think the, yeah. the calling that he places in your life yeah and and you, you point, you're pointing out something that I think is important. You know, you don't have to grow to stay saved. You're saved mm. whether you grow spiritually or not. And your growth has to do with spiritual maturity, but also with rewards in the future kingdom. Mm -hmm. And there is no guarantee, contra Calvinism, there is no guarantee that God is going to cause you to grow spiritually. There's a possibility that you can fail to grow, that you can stay carnal, that you can stay the, the type of person who's only able to uh, drink milk instead of eat meat. I'm thinking of the epistle to the Hebrews. Um, and your service, your your election, your, your being chosen to serve falls under the category of um, you can fail to serve well. Just because God has chosen you for a task doesn't mean you're going to be successful at it. Um, and I, I can think of King Saul, for example. He was chosen, mm -hmm. not for eternal life. He was chosen to be king. God chose him. Mm -hmm. But did he do well as king? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all, right? He started off well, I think. Uh, but then he, he started to stumble, and then he went into a total downward spiral until the kingdom, he lost his he lost the kingdom. It was the dynasty was taken from his family and um, uh, God no longer had his blessing on Saul and Saul lost the kingship, but he, I believe he was a saved person. God gave him a changed heart and he became a new man. I think Saul was born again. Saul failed at being king, um, but he, he didn't failed his calling. Yeah. He failed his calling. He didn't yeah. lose his salvation. He lost his calling. He lost and that job and falling in line with that. Can we say the same thing about Solomon? Absolutely. I yeah. mean, he, he, it, it, scripture in second Kings said that his wives caused him to worship mm. their gods. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, he, he didn't just, he didn't just fall off maybe like Saul with wickedness and kind of, you know, Saul didn't reject the God of Israel. In fact, you, you read in his life, he's, he's like, Oh, the God of Israel doesn't want me. He wants David. It's kind of his narrative in his head, right? And right. he allows that to kind of cause this dissension between him and the Lord. Yes. But Solomon, it specifically says that he followed after the gods of his wives. So he, yeah. he became like an apostate, if we're going to define it as walking yes. away from God, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But none of us would say or be bold enough to say Solomon's in hell right now. No, I, yeah, I believe he's born again. And so he's eternally secure, but because he, he fell into idolatry and then he, I believe he even built temples or altars yeah. to those foreign yeah. gods for the sake of his wives and concubines that is going to impact his reward in the, in the future because he failed in his vocation as a King, but Cody and John, I mean, same thing. You, all three of us have been called to preach and to pastor 
Mm-hmm. And is there any guarantee that we're going to do that well? Is there any oh, guarantee that yeah. we might not fall in the future? Right. We we all know pastors who have um, been disgraced in the ministry because of things that they've done, and they've lost their ministry, they've lost their churches, they've lost all kinds of things. They can never lose everlasting life. That's forever. But if you fail in your service that God has called you to, you can lose your your position. Uh, in that in that ministry in that service and you'll also suffer loss at the judgment seat of christ when jesus evaluates us for our rewards and so to me i mean if if you're thinking of a free grace alternative understanding of election as opposed to calvinism and arminianism i think for us uh, in my book chosen to serve and people should definitely check it out or uh, um you can see that that election has to do with rewards. And so that really, you know, that really makes a difference to a free grace understanding of election. You said your friend is a one point Calvinist. I'm a a zero. I'm a zero pointer on Calvinism and Arminianism. I think the Bible teaches something different. Yeah. Differently than what those two, two traditions say. I think they jumped to the extremes is what it is. Yeah. 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 Sean, do you, do you, um, in the free grace camp, would would you say everyone every, everyone agrees with um with divine election is to service? Uh, no, but I I hear more and more people saying this makes sense. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm not the first person to to say this uh, about election. Um, uh, Bob had written an article. Bob Wilkin wrote an article about it. Um, a few, couple of years before my book came out. Um, but I don't know who else was. Tony kinda... Evans. Has, I've heard him say. It. A bunch of times that election is for for service. Well, you know he he read my book. <laughs> yes, I talked. Yes, I talked to him about that. So yeah, oh, did you really? Yes, I did. Yes. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. yeah so I, I, know, I know. Um, Renee Lopez also held that. We yeah. had one of those. Renee was one of those that he would sit you down and have a four hour debate, <laughs> and then after he would be like, uh, "Well, I got to go." And just to let you know, I agreed with everything you said. I just wanted to make sure you knew it. <laughs> he did one of those with me. So. No, I know in Tony Evans' study Bible, he has it um, that election is for service, it's not for yeah. for eternal life. Oh yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah, yeah. so. I think it's definitely growing. Uh, and and like I said, I mean, in the book, I quote mainstream commentators and some other dispensational commentators who who agree on different passages. This is definitely for service. This is definitely for service. And so it's not something that I've invented, but I do think I put it together in a way that that um, that no one else has as clearly as I have. And I, I do hope that I'm changing minds on this issue, um, not because of any ego ego thing for me, but just because this is what the Bible says. And I know personally the existential struggle of not knowing, am I one of the elect that I, mm-hmm. I had when I was kind of in Calvinism for a while. Yeah, and I just want to encourage as as growing in Christ. That's a scary thought. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and by the way, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to attack any Calvinist or any Arminian. I want to encourage you, you know, keep on digging, keep on thinking yeah. about your theology, dig more and, uh, consider uh, alternatives that you may not never have heard of before. Um, if you really feel like this, that what, what you're hearing from your traditions is causing you to doubt your salvation and to, take away your peace and your joy take those as signs that maybe this is not uh maybe what you're hearing from others is not a biblical teaching yeah and consider this idea that no god chooses um people for service and by the way in the book what i say one of the things i say is one of the main reasons god chose israel uh not for salvation one of the main reasons he chose israel is so that they through israel the messiah would come and so that the whole world would be reached with the gospel and so in calvinistic election that's really bad news Mm -hmm. to hear that god chooses some people and then either overlooks or actively damns others but in the bible God's choosing of Israel is great news because God's goal is to reach the whole world with the good news of mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Wow. So, so election is actually good news. It's it's how God is, what God is doing to reach you. And if there's someone here listening who's never heard the gospel before, who's never believed in Jesus before, election is is about God's loving intent to reach you with the message, the promise of eternal life, that simply by believing in Jesus, you can be secure forever. So it is great news. Um, 
just because God chose David as king over Israel or Isaiah as a prophet or Paul as an apostle, that, that, that doesn't tell you that God is excluding me. No, it means that God is trying to reach me Amen. through these other, other uh, servants of his. So wow. election is good news when you understand it rightly. Yeah. I think, I think um, under underpinning that, you know, and, and you bring up a good point, it, it, you know, it's uh, the prophet Isaiah says that, the the nation israel was to be a light to the gentile nations right mm. that was their choosing and i think uh you mentioned it earlier the underpinnings of this doctrine which is um which does cause that that doubt in people's mind is the idea of and i'm just going to say it the double predestination right yeah mm-hmm. god has not only uh called or or predestined people to salvation but he's also called and predestined people to eternal darkness hell you know and that's a a, that's what causes people to look and be like oh wow well this god that says grace love and mercy um he's chosen people to hell and maybe he's chosen me to Mm. that because i don't Mm. know and until i persevere through my life right because that's the other thing that we have to look at in this in the in the five points of Calvinism, they're interwoven, right? Yes, they are. Um, yeah. And so we have to understand that. And we can't. And and again, we're saying this, and we're not saying that Calvinists aren't believers. We're not saying and attacking. What we're saying is, you know, we need to be. Um, our theology needs to come from the Bible, and yes. evenly woven from the Bible. We need to be. Um, Bible students first, rather than in a specific theology or. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Paul, one of Paul's uh, definitions of spiritual carnality, you know, this is trouble is when you start identifying yourself by your favorite Bible teacher. Exactly. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's trouble. <laughs> you know, yeah. as soon as, as soon as people call themselves Calvinists or Wesleyan or Arminian, um, you got to know your alarm bell should go off a little bit that maybe yeah. something has gone yeah. wrong here. Um, but I do want to encourage you. You said something really important, Cody, uh, a Calvinist can believe in Jesus for everlasting life that yeah. can never be lost. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So there's, I, I, I know Calvinists who are born again and they're eternally secure and they're just confused about this, this other issue. Yeah. And so you, you don't need to be confused. No one needs to be confused. Exactly. You can go to the Bible, be a biblicist, you know, go check everything against the word of God. And, um, this is definitely one of those things. And, um, you said that Calvinism, the five points of Calvinism go together. Uh, I think biblical truth also has to go together. You know, if all truth is coheres together. And I think one of the fundamental clear truths of scripture is the one you pointed out that God loves the world. All Mm. right. He, God is seeking the salvation of the whole world. And, um, if, if a theological system is making you doubt the good character of God, if it's making you doubt the love of God for you and for your neighbor, um, you have good reason to question that system and stick with the Bible. Even if it, even if you don't have all the answers kind of worked out, you can go to John three sixteen and you know, God loves the world. Mm, Just think of the character of Jesus. Was there anyone that Jesus kind of cast out and said, yeah, I don't, I don't love you. I don't love this guy Mm. over here. That is not the character of Jesus. He loved everyone and he wanted everyone to be saved, but he doesn't force salvation on everyone. That only exactly. comes through, through believing in him. Yeah, I think the, um, you know, again, we when you look at um, writers and their intention, right? So if we want to understand Genesis and, you know, you should read the other books that Moses wrote to understand, you know, his definitions and things. Yeah. And I think uh, the first letter uh that john wrote non-epistle right uh, i mean epistle not not gospel um he gives us the definition of what the world is in first john 2 2 he says and he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not only ours but also those of the whole world yeah and so he removes that idea of okay god specifically died for those who might believe no he's like hey guess what Jesus died. He's our savior. All us believers. 
Oh, and guess what? He's the he's the savior of the entire world, even those that haven't believed. And that's a beautiful thought right there. Yeah. And you know, that's a great, you know, for people who are, uh, I had to learn how to study the Bible. You know, someone needed to teach me and it took me a long time to learn. But but Cody, you're pointing out a good thing. If you want to know how a, how an author uses a term, just see how he uses it all throughout his writings and just do a simple word study. Mm-hmm. There's so many great resources online where you can do that. Uh, I use biblehub.com and I use biblegateway.com. They're both free sites and you can do, especially in Bible Hub, you can do simple word studies. You just cl- kind of click on the word and and it pulls up, pulls them up in every book. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you can go to a word like world in John and just see how he uses it. And clearly he's using it for people who are hostile to Christ, who are people who don't don't yet believe in Jesus. And yet Jesus still died for those people. God still loves the people who are hostile towards him. And he, he, it's like, he's holding out his, his hand with the gospel and inviting them to come and believe and be saved forever. Um, yeah. Uh, I had a, I had an interesting experience, uh, about being a biblicist. Uh, I was teaching at his Hill Bible school. I was teaching through Romans, um, a few weeks ago and we came to Romans nine and you probably know that Romans nine is a classic chapter for Calvinists to, 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 to cite as proof of their position. And I pulled up all of the old Testament references in Romans nine. And I had the students, uh, his hill is a residential Bible school. So they spend a year there. Um, and they go through, I think something like 75% of the Bible. And, um, I had the students look up every Old Testament reference in Romans chapter nine. Uh, and I asked them, look at it and then decide in a group in small groups, is Jesus, is this right? Is this scripture reference talking about God choosing individuals or is it about God choosing nations? And I gave them 15 minutes to go through all the, all, all of Paul's Old Testament references. And when we came back, Everybody agreed that every single Old Testament reference in Romans 9 was of God choosing a nation or a group of people. Mm. And so uh, I think this is a great example of how important it is to be a biblicist. When someone goes to Romans 9 to prove that God chooses individuals, they're taking these verses out of context. But when you read it in context, you can see that Paul's concern is to show that God has always chosen groups. Um to serve his purposes. And uh, uh, I try to show that there's so many kind of surprising insights like that, that were surprising to me that I try to show throughout chosen to serve um, just these interesting things that, you know, you, you, you hear a verse so often and you just think you understand what it means and you never question it because it's a proof text that's just been ripped out of context. But when you go and you try to understand the verse in context, it, it ends up t- being, it ends up speaking to a totally different subject. Um, I think about Ephesians chapter one. That's a super classic verse for election for Calvinists. Um, but when you read it, when you read it in context about God uh, um, choosing us, predestining us, it's always in Christ. And um, in, in Ephesians, uh, when you follow the uh, pronouns, Paul in Ephesians is, is, burdened with showing that Jews and Gentiles were two separate groups, but they're now, if you believe you are now united as one man in Christ. And it turns out uh, in Ephesians, Paul is really talking about how God chose Christ to be like a new man. And then we get, we participate in his chosenness. It's all in him, in him, in him, in him, in him. It's like, as if you can think of this illustration when God chose the ark to be the vehicle of saving mankind in Noah's day, God chose the ark. Who was able to go into the ark? Mm-hmm. Anyone who would have believed in Noah's preaching could have been in the ark. And if they were in the ark, they would have participated in the ark's chosenness. They would have been saved, but because they didn't want, they didn't believe they didn't get on. And so they weren't saved. And in the same way, Jesus is the chosen one, and you get to participate in his chosenness when you believe in him and you become part of his body. 
And um, anyways, there's all kinds of interesting kind of, I don't know, I was kind of nerdy, but there's all kinds of interesting biblical insights like that, that I found in studying this topic. And I, I, I would really recommend, I don't get paid by, by the way, I don't make any money off of this book, but go to amazon.com, go to faithalone.org and get a copy of Chosen to Serve. And I think, um, I think you'll really be uh, blessed by it. At least you'll be challenged by it. One more thing on the book. Um, I love what it says in the back of the book. Um, it says election is vocational. Mm-hmm. God chooses people, places, and things for service and reward, not for eternal life. I love how that's yeah. how that's worded. Yeah. That worded. Yeah, that. simple, right? Yes, yeah, very, very simple. Yeah, very I simple. think it. Uh, the kind of verbiage gets people uh, nervous. The word predestined, the word call, the word chosen, um, or even uh, you know, foreknow. God foreknew you. Uh, or he knew you and things of that nature. Um, I loved, uh, we, John and I, we went to, uh, the same Bible college for the most part. And, uh, our, our Greek professor was, he's just amazing, uh, at the Greek, um, C Norman Sellers. He would always say, yeah, that doesn't mean that God, you know, that word pro, UNOSCO. it doesn't mean that God didn't know other nations or other people, right? Yeah. It's the intimate knowledge and relationship. Yes. Individual. And that's the same thing with being chosen to a work. Mm -hmm. God has chosen us because he has this intimate relationship that's growing with us. So that's why all those terms, you'll see them linked together. Um, so often. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's another good point you're making, Cody. Uh, Maybe I could put it this way. What the philosophers and theologians are talking about is very abstract, philosophical, really technical type stuff. But the Bible, when it talks about foreknowing and choosing is so relational, it's so earthly, it is so down to earth. It's Mm -hmm. about God knowing you in, in an intimate way and wanting you to be like Jesus. And it's not all this metaphysical stuff is, is imposed on the text. And if you just take your doctrine from the text, it's, it's the same words, but the the meaning is totally different. Yeah. It's, it's like Dr. Sellers was saying. Yeah. I think we, um, uh, you know, John and I, we've had so many talks on this. I love this guy that's sitting next to me. Here. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> We, uh, you know, a lot of times we force the philosophical into scripture. Uh, you know, um, you'll read, um, you know, even in your own Bible commentaries, which, uh, you know, unless you have to don't read the Bible commentaries, I'd recommend to people, um, but you'll read in the Bible commentaries, you know, this word is derived from this, uh, you know, belief that Plato said this and that, uh, or this derives from, uh, you know, this, you know, Aristotle, you know, shot this out and had this idea and it's always philosophers, right? But, um, what were the, what were these writers? They're Hebrew, right? Yes. They're, yeah. they were, they were studied in their own understanding of the world that was shaped by God's word, mm. you know, specifically the Pentateuch, you know, for the most part, right? Uh, if they're lucky, they had, you know, the books of wisdom and, and, you know, the books of history, but for the most part, they, they, the Pentateuch guided them, you know, and shaped their understanding. They rejected the Hellenistic world. So us trying to force this idea of, um, you know, when you come to this, it's this platonic, uh, understanding of a word. No, let's go. What, what was their understanding of this? Yeah. What would they define it with? Absolutely. And, you know, that can be frustrating for some people because they want to they want to get into the philosophical discussions. They, they're they interested in those minute, really technical questions and they want the Bible to speak to it. Um, and so, I'm, I mean, I'm one of those guys. I'm really I, I'm intellectually curious. I, I'm, I'm fascinated by this. Some people watch baseball. I read theology as my hobby and it's my you know, what I mean, um, but you see the, by the books you got behind you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can see. Yeah, you can see that. Uh, but the danger is that you're going to take the Bible out of context and speak to things it was never trying to speak to. And so if the Bible is silent on a subject, don't try to don't try to twist it to speak to that subject. Be content with the revelation God has given you. And uh, that to me, it was that to me is actually really hard to do. It's hard to do. It's 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 about humbling myself before the word of God. And, um, you, you know, to understand something, you have to stand under it. 
And so instead of me standing in judgment over the word, I want the word to stand in judgment over, over my questions and my thoughts. And so I have to humble myself before the word. And if the Bible talks about election being to service and never talks about these things that the philosophers are talking about, um, I have to be content with that. And, uh, and, and I am content with that because um, God's word builds me up. Whereas these other questions just kind of confuse you and tear, can tear you down. And they're, they're kind of interesting, but they're not going to uh, make you more Christ-like. So stick with the word of God, because that's going to renew your mind. Whereas these other questions potentially are going to confuse your mind. And mm-hmm. so, so confusion doesn't lead to a good transformation, but renewal uh, leads to greater Christ-likeness and greater ability to serve him in a way that will be pleasing uh, that, that you'll hear the well done, well done, good and faithful servant at the great, uh, at the judgment seat of Christ. Amen. You know, a free grace circles traditionally, I, I was introduced to free grace. I would say about 20 years ago, GS. Um, yeah, I would say Renee Lopez and, and Bob Wilkin, those guys, obviously Zane Hodges. And when, when, when I first became a believer, um, you know, free grace circles was sort of to me was kind of intimidating. It was on a scar- scholarly level. Yeah, and you were sometimes be like, man, this is too much for me. I don't know, I don't understand it really. But it looks like now it's becoming more uh, available to lay people, to people who just want to, you know, just read something simple. Where obviously it has to be free grace. But do you agree with that? Because to me, yeah. it's, you know, free grace international and and grant and free grace alliance, they're they're making it more simpler for people to understand free grace. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And and by the way, I tried to write Chosen to Serve in a way that my grandmother, my little French grandmother would yeah. be able to understand, or my sister who never, never been to Bible college or anything. And because uh, we want, we, Bible truth is for people. It's not just for nerds and it's not just for academics. The, Bible, the word of God is for people. And so uh, definitely there's an emphasis Different ministries have different emphases, you know. Yeah. So there's there, you have the academic side, and Rene Lopez, of course, was was one of is one of those guys who was just doing high level academic stuff. Yeah, um, chosen to serve is a little more mid level, I think. It's 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 for anyone. Um, my the ministry I'm with now, Free Grace International. I mean, we're making free grace stuff for kids, for yeah. teens, Love for that. families, um, because those are God's people, and we want to reach them with mm-hmm. the Word of God. So. Um, there's totally a room for 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 people to just nerd out and ask hard questions. Free Grace Theology Discussion Group on Facebook is one of those things. Yep. But um, the movement is growing. It's reaching more people through mm. through churches like yours in Miami and churches all across uh, America and, and more and more in Europe and Africa and Asia. Yeah. And uh, but to do that, it has to speak to people. My my senior pastor, the man who ordained me, always would say, "You need to you need to leave the hay where the goats can get it." Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you got to make it available for people. So it's like, okay, this is what we need to do. All that hard intellectual work has been done by people like Zane Hodges, uh, Bob Wilkin, yeah. uh, Jody Dillo, and others. And now, now that we've had all these questions sorted out. There's still some questions that need sorting out, but because there's such a great foundation that's been laid, yes. now now people like me uh, can just kind of popularize it and 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 feed it to people who are hungry for truth, but they're hungry for a truth that they can actually understand. Yeah. And so we want to explain it clearly, just like Jesus did. Jesus never wrote a systematic theology. He told stories about about sheep and goats and coins and you know simple things that people understood because that's who God loves. He loves the world and he wants the world to understand this amazing grace message, even as it applies to election, but as it applies to all kinds of different things. Yeah. Well, um, what are you up to now? Let's <laughs> let's transition from the uh, the 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 chosen uh, chosen to serve, and again, um, pick it up. It's on Amazon. Um, you could go ahead and get it through there or GS if you're you're uh, on their website. Um, it's a great book, and uh, you know I loved it. Um, but what are you up to now? Um, do, you know, are are you working on some things? I mean, we introed you have the new podcast, and you have a blog yeah. that you're working on. I think it's daily, isn't it? It's a daily, yeah. It's yeah. a daily blog. Think of it like uh, uh, our daily bread, but for grace people. Um, a very simple 500 word or less um, 
just encouraging meditation every day on something related to grace and how it impacts everything from being a grandparent or why we should take care of creation, you know, uh, from a, uh, from a free grace perspective, from a gracious perspective. So we're producing, I'm producing that every day. Um, I'm with free grace international. I'd encourage people to go to freegrace.in. Um, we're turning it into a destination site. There's just new content every single day, uh, that are, that, that's aimed at different people. I'm, I'm doing more devotional stuff with the blog. We have a kids podcast uh, that's specifically aimed for young kids, like 10 and younger, uh, that'll explain grace and Bible stuff to them in a way they can understand. Um, our executive director, Lucas Kitchen, is doing kind of a news commentary podcast called More to the Story, and he's doing that every day. But then we're doing videos about free grace issues. We're producing curriculum. Uh, for for small groups and Sunday schools, and um, but then I also get to do nerdy kind of theology stuff, kind of like chosen <laughs> to serve. Uh, I'm working on um, I'm working on a book called Free to Fail, and uh, basically it's it's explaining why eternal security, uh, basically the free grace alternative to perseverance of the saints. Calvinists mm, believe uh, in perseverance of the saints. You know that yeah that he causes you. That to to be sanctified and to grow, and you'll never have any major moral or faith falls uh, because you've been predestined, and so you're just guaranteed to just keep on growing. Well, that's not biblical. All across the Bible, people are failing in their faith and failing yeah. to grow, and so I'm just kind of explaining the biblical alternative to that, that eternally secure people can fail to grow, fail to serve well, and therefore fail, get disciplined by the Lord, get spanked by the Lord, and also lose their rewards. And so that's going to be called free to fail. Um, but I'd strongly encourage people to check out freegrace.in. And I hope to, we hope to do uh, interviews with, uh, with other young free grace writers or any free grace writers. So Cody, I definitely plan on having you on, uh, on our shows soon yeah. um, because you're, you're, you're one of these voices that that is doing something that people haven't really done, which is talk about grace and how that how that impacts Christian living, Christian discipleship. There's a little people have talked about that a little bit. Uh, I'm trying to do that with the art of grace, but your book definitely does that. And I think a new edition is coming out uh, soon, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We have the uh, the companion manual is coming out for mm. study guide, and it's got a lot of new material within it. And so you can use it for personal study or small group. Oh, that's awesome. So that, that definitely aligns with what we're trying to do at Free Grace International. Yeah. Um, and, and so in your role within uh, FGI, because uh, uh, us pastors, we love uh, acronyms and we go crazy. With them. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of expanding right now. You have the blog. You're doing a lot of writing. Um, yeah. Where do you see it? Let's say three years from now, where do you see your role going within uh, FGI? And yeah, what, what you're doing. I'm, I'm, so, hoping the, I'm hoping for the rapture. Yeah. It was, <laughs> <laughs> should the Lord wait, wait one more blog, rapture? Lord? Just one yeah. more blog. I have a yeah. really great blog, Lord. Just wait a second. Yeah, um, we still shout Maranatha. We want him to come instead. <laughs> yeah. Um, so part of my job for them is. Uh, besides doing content creation is to help them uh, do more content creation. And so just in the last, uh, I started working there in August and um, we've, we've doubled or quadrupled uh, our, the, the amount of stuff that we're, we're producing. So we started these three yeah, new that podcasts constantly updated. Yeah. 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 We, maybe we're doing it too much. I don't know, but, <laughs> but oh. uh, we're definitely there. I'm helping them do more and we're, we're really flexible and I love working with Lucas and the team. And we just want, we want to try things that reach new people. We don't want to be fishing in our swimming pool. You know what I mean? I want to fish yeah. in the ocean. I want to reach yeah. new people. Yeah. And so we're, we're trying different things. Lucas is writing Christian science fiction with the free grace message to mm -hmm. reach people like homeschooling families who would never, ever, ever read a free grace book. But they might pick up a science Christian science fiction book for their kids that yeah. teaches the same message. So we're trying those kind of new things, and I'm 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 just trying to help them. Um, they're great at creativity, and the, but they needed help with a little bit of structure and and organization. And so, um, 
that's that's not a that's not a job I relish, but it's a job I'm pretty good at. So <laughs> so I'm helping them do that. That's awesome. That sounds good. Um, and I saw you guys did uh, one of your first kind of uh, conference style uh, over yeah. at uh, Sean Wilson's church in Louisiana. So that was cool to see. Yeah, yeah, that's cool to see. Yeah, we're doing. We'd love more opportunities like that, Lucas and I, to do. Um, uh, regionals or one night things all over. Um, he's going to Vanuatu, which people might not know this, but it's this, this tiny little island in the Pacific that somehow these people in this village got a hold of Lucas's books and have asked him to go over. <laughs> That's cool. So isn't that cool? <laughs> yeah. So he has to. He's flying to Vanuatu and he has to something like hike like 18 miles through the jungle to wow. get to this village. I hope wow. he's not being set up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's not like, hey, this guy looks tasty. Let's uh, come yeah. over here. And come. Well, no, somehow they got It becomes a, a Where's Waldo type thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we're, yeah, we're looking for those opportunities. So if, if pastors or churches are, are listening and are small groups and you'd like, like us to come and explain grace in a way that's clear, uh, we're definitely looking for those opportunities. All right. That's great. Well, um, I, I always love to to end with this thought, unless John, you have a. Well, I wonder question. if it's the same question I'm going to ask, because I don't know if you wrote this down, but well, maybe let's just say it. Okay. Um, well, I, I love to end with this. You go first. This, this go. thought. Okay. Which is um, what are some readings yeah. of, other than scripture? <laughs> okay. Because we always put people on the spot with this, especially because um, people like to, you know, um, they like to expand their own knowledge and like whatnot. Yeah, they like to read. And so other than the Bible, because, of course, our main source of wisdom and understanding needs to come from Scripture. Yeah, absolutely. Other than Scripture, um, what are some readings um, or theologians, uh, writers that have inspired and encouraged your uh, view of Scripture or your free grace view mm -hmm. that have kind of helped you develop today? Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, the first person who comes to mind is a guy named Major Ian Thomas, uh, who was a British preacher who started uh, the Torchbearer Network of Bible Schools. And um, I actually just about finished a book about him uh, called It Takes God to Be a Man, The Spiritual Theology of Major Ian Thomas. And it should be available probably by uh, November. And um he was one of these guys who was free grace without having the name, but his emphasis was on after you're born again, how do you live the Christian life? And so that's something, you know, Cody, you and I are very much interested in. Mm. And Major Ian Thomas, his whole emphasis was um, that Christ not only saves us by his death, his death does one thing, but his resurrection life does another thing for the ongoing life of the believer. And so his major book, if people wanted to, get introduced to him is called the saving life of christ by major ian thomas uh, i forget who publishes it but it's a great vision of why the christian life not only starts by faith but it continues by faith mm. it's not only starts in dependence upon christ but it continues by depending upon christ who lives in me like paul says it's not i who live but christ who lives in me and what does that mean how does how does that become practical? I mean, how do you? I'm a, I have three kids uh, and a, a beautiful wife, but how how can I be a father and how can I be a husband uh, where Christ is living through me to to, to uh, where I can be Christ uh, a Christ influence to my children and to my wife? And Major Ian Thomas said things that I've never heard anyone else say before. And it's been a huge blessing to me. And so um, check out his book and, and it takes God to be a man is going, going to be uh, the title of my book about him. That should be available soon. Is he still alive? Is he still alive? Sean? No, he no. died. Um, no, he died. Oh, I forget when. Um, no, he's, 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 he's gone. Okay. Well, that's great. Any others that you would uh, you would say really helped shape you uh, as you developed? Yeah, maybe maybe one more. If uh, I'm reading this, this my wife laughed when she saw this. It's called. Um, are you guys familiar with Charlie Brown? You know the comic. The comic yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So this guy in the '60s named Robert Short wrote. Um, 
He wrote a book called The Parables of Peanuts. That's the name yes, of the cartoon. I have that. You have that book? Yeah. No I, just, yes. I just started reading it um, uh, last week, and I'm just blown away because I love comics. I, I, I'm an artist. I love drawing. I know your wife. I, I know your wife is an amazing artist. Uh, and so I love the comic books, but the theology in this book is, I mean, I'm not totally on board with everything, every yeah. single thing this guy says. But it is so it's been really challenging to me. And uh, you think he he basically uses Charlie Brown to kind of illustrate Bible lessons about about the yeah. gospel and about wow. Christian truth. And it's it's right up my alley. I've got the my, I got the comics in front of me, but I've also got got the deep theologians and philosophers. <laughs> and it was a bestseller. I think it was the best selling nonfiction book of the day, like in 1968. So yeah. it's uh, worth checking out. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> well, Sean, um, we appreciate uh, your ministry and just uh, how you continue to be a light uh, in the darkness, because that's what we're called to, to be the best kingdom representatives that we can be uh, ambassadors for Christ. And uh, thank you for just uh, standing for the clarity of the gospel. And uh, any parting words before we end the podcast today? Um, if if you're in the Miami area, don't just come for the for the beaches, but but go see Cody and John for a great <laughs> free grace church. Well, thank you, brother. Amen. To that. God bless you and Lucas and everything going on at Free Grace International. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Take care, Sean. See ya. See you, buddy. Thank you for joining the Transform 365 podcast, a ministry dedicated to helping you grow in relationship to Christ. If you want to know more, find us at transform365.com or on our church website, www.swcc.org, located in Miami, Florida. Until next time, remember, the only work in grace is to let grace work in you. God bless.